This episode of the Disney Film Project is sponsored by touringplans.com. Head over to touringplans.com and use their tools to save yourself time and money when you are at Walt Disney World or Disneyland. You can use the Lines application on your mobile phone, use the crowd calendar to figure out which parks to hit which days, or use the touring plans to save time and money waiting in line. Touringplans.com is the sponsor of this episode of the Disney Film Project. everybody to the Disney Film Project podcast. This is the show where we talk about the films of the Walt Disney Company and all their assorted subsidiaries and whatever company they've bought this week. Uh, as you know, they've bought quite a few, so it's hard to keep up sometimes. Uh, but this is where we talk about all of those programs, all of those films, all that great stuff that you have come to know and love from the Walt Disney Company, Pixar, Marvel, Lucasfilm, and, and everything in between. I am the host of the program, Mr. Ryan Kilpatrick, and along with the folks you're about to meet, we run DisneyFilmProject.com, where we talk about those self-same films of the Walt Disney Company, where we talk about the shorts, the feature films, the animated features, just about everything you can think of, uh, newest Blu-rays, all kinds of great stuff. So make sure you are going and checking out the content over at DisneyFilmProject.com. Joining me, as always, we have our wonderful film buffs who make this show what it is, who you've come to know over the last couple of years. First of all, we have Mr. Todd Perlmutter, who is the chief technical officer at DisneyDrivenLife.com, who is working at OnTheGo and MCO.com, and who I believe, and this is my theory, has personally caused all of the anachronisms in the Lone Ranger via his time-traveling device. I, as I move around the universe and the space-time continuum, I like to just drop little pieces of things here and there. I, I can see that, and, and I imagine that, that you probably just went back in time and did something while they were making this film. Well, here's the, imp- here's the important thing, right? There is no butterfly yes. effect. It says you. No. How do I know that the chair that I'm sitting in wasn't made of stone until you went back and changed things, and now it's made of wood? How do you know that's a chair? Valid point. I'm going to move on before my brain explodes. So we also have Miss Brianna Alessio, who you can find at Adventures of Brie at adventuresofbrie.blogspot.com. How are you, Brie? I'm doing really well, but we're suffering an incredible heat wave here in New York. It was about like 105 today. It's intense. I, this I know because I was just recently returned from a long road trip to New Jersey, not quite New York, but around there. And it was 99 degrees when I left there, and it's 94 degrees now in Georgia. That that doesn't seem proper. It's it, no, that that's not right. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't think so. Of course, we also have with us Miss Cheryl Perlmutter, who is the fine producer of this program and takes all of this and edits it into coherence. Except for tonight, because we are doing this live. That is correct. We are doing it live, as those of you who are listening and in the chat can attest. We've already had one false start, because, which I will get to momentarily. Uh, but Miss Cheryl Perlmutter is the one who, who keeps the trains running on time, who makes sure we have fresh horses and water for the long journey into the desert. How are you, uh, fine producer Miss Cheryl Perlmutter? I'm doing good. I'm also, as you talk, if you talk with Chick on Twitter, keeper of the wish list on Amazon, which is the one that kind of where I kind of pick movies from. Mooney Indeed. Indeed. 
Yes, and we often need filler because, you know, we, we have holes, is what I'm saying. Uh, we also have joining us our Kimosabi, the wrong brother. Uh, we have Mr. Craig Perlmutter. So we are hitting the Perlmutter trifecta, the brother of Mr. Todd Perlmutter. Craig, how are you? Doing all right, doing all right. We appreciate you joining us, mostly for the sake so that we could say Kimosabi over and over again. Om Shanti. <laughs> there you go. Now, um, Craig is also from New York. How is are you? Are you 105 there as well? Um, well, I have uh, my quote unquote alternate Friday uh, at my job today, so I'm sitting comfortably in my air conditioned apartment, looking out the window at people melting their feet into the asphalt. Yay for air conditioning! Yeah, right. Yeah, no kidding. Especially in that heat. Oof. Yes, it was hot up there. I uh, and, and I say that as someone who, again, lives in Georgia. It was hot in New York. That That's that's strange to me. But it's a whole other thing. Also strange is tonight's film, The Lone Ranger, the new release from Walt Disney Pictures, directed by Gore Verbinski, starring Johnny Depp as Tonto, Army Hammer as the Lone Ranger, produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. It is the big blockbuster film by the writers of the, the writers, director, star, producer of the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, and it of course went on to make tons of money exactly like that film and has spawned a new franchise for Disney. Um, I don't think so. Wait, that, that's not what happened? No. No, apparently, apparently, okay, from what I understand, this is from what I understand, Verbinski put up his, some of his own money against this movie. And yeah. until this movie makes its movie back, money back, um, let's just say he owes Disney a tidy, tum, a tidy sum. Yes, that is the rumor. The rumor is that Gore Verbinski put up, uh, when, the, when the budget overruns hit, uh, and we'll talk about the production of the film and how we got to this point, uh, is that Gore Verbinski guaranteed that the film would make a certain amount and that, yes, as Cheryl said, um, he's going to be a poor man for a while. I don't think because... he's going to be poor. I don't think he's going to be poor. <laughs> well, it depends on how much he actually guaranteed because as of right now, this movie has not quite made half its money back. But he yeah. still makes money off spent. of pirates and stuff in his, in his other movies, so he's That's, not exactly broke. Well, yeah, it doesn't make as much money as it did when it, they released, though. Um, no, well, I mean, he put up actual money, though, right? Yes. Isn't that what happened? Yes. yes. And I, yes. I believe that because the numbers that I have is the actual um, amount that the studio ended up putting up before marketing was $215 million, but that he put up um, the difference to 250 I heard 500 no, no, no. I, it, no. Yeah, go. Oh, I was going to say, I think, I think the, the studio's actual stated budget was 225 Okay. The original budget was $250. Uh, and the truth lies somewhere in between, from what I understand. Well, they have $100 million of marketing on top of this movie as well. Correct. Yeah, which the studio did pay for. But yes, the the idea is that Bruckheimer and Verbinski did put up some some cash between the actual publicly released budget and the the actual actual budget of what they spent. Which now, I is, believe Jerry Bruckheimer is not going to go poor, but 
No, he's <laughs> Poor not. <Verbinski> may. <laughs> Jer- Jerry Bruckheimer, however, if, if if rumor is proved to be true, may not be making a lot more movies with Disney because between uh, G-Force, Prince of Persia, and this, uh, he might have hit his threshold. Three strikes, you're out, is what I'm saying. But didn't he do National Treasure? He did. He's, he's made a lot of hits. But he has his own national treasure, so yeah. you know they could do it without him. Well, we've been all well, we we we've been all patiently waiting for number three for national treasure three. We may be yeah. patiently waiting a little longer. What? Indeed. This yeah. is not okay. I, I have a feeling. I have a feeling we're going the, the next Jerry Bruckheimer Disney film is not coming along, uh, with the possible exception of Pirates Five, for quite some time. Yeah. So, but yes, this was a, a a critical flop, a box office flop, and yet audiences, if you, at least if you judge by Rotten Tomatoes, seem to enjoy it. And by the preview audiences, because I tell you, trying to get into holy cow, trying to get into that preview was a pain that took us. Yeah, I didn't get in. Cheryl was kind enough to forward the invite, and uh, my my lovely wife and I got a babysitter, went down to to go to see the preview and to make sure that uh, you know this was a good movie. This, as I said in our movies for the year, of which one we were anticipating the most, this is the one, right? Because I love me some Gore Verbinski, love Johnny Depp. He's my favorite working actor, uh, and. I couldn't get in, so I ended up actually going on the 4th of July after running the Peachtree Road Race to see this. So uh, I, I was eagerly anticipating it, and personally, I was not let down. I enjoyed it. But. And you were saying, Ryan, you were saying that, because um, this is one of the things we, I wanted to catch, touch upon, is that you felt it was okay for your kids. Because a lot of people out there are like... Did not like the kid aspect, I guess. A lot of people were, were scared about it. Yeah. Because yes, I guess that's true. I guess reviews threw them off. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about that, please. Because this is a very good topic. Uh, there were a lot of people who said that this was a movie that's inappropriate for children, and I think it depends on the child. Uh, because there is some rather gritty, rather disturbing things in the film, uh, and not just – we'll talk about it, but I mean there's, there's cannibalism in the film, right, um, which is something we should definitely touch on because it's very odd. But there's that, but there's also disturbing scenes of Native Americans being, being shot by the U.S. Army. There's, I mean there, there's a lot of shooting and killing in this movie. Both of my children, one a boy age 11 and one a girl age 7, came out of the movie loving it. Uh, The girl has not stopped quoting lines from it in the two weeks since. Uh, She had no nightmares, no problems. You know, we we had no issues. We had a few things we had to talk about, such as how Native Americans were treated in the Old West and stereotypes and some things like that. But for the most part, no, no problems whatsoever. So basically, you had to tell her Squanto was not true. We had that discussion long ago when we did the Great Squantini episode. <laughs> yeah, but but no, they had no problems. Now I know another family who took their daughter 
and she was terrified. So I think it just depends on the kid. I, I, I very often hesitate to say, hey, it's okay for kids. But I would compare it to, if you haven't gone out to see it, and judging by the box office numbers, most of you haven't, uh, I would say that it is, from a violence level, what I told somebody on Twitter is it's very comparable to uh, Temple of Doom or Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest. If your kids can handle those two movies, you'd be fine with this. That's fair to say. But my thing is, do you think that these reviewers putting out these reviews and saying all these things are, are tampering people with children away from this movie? And maybe that's yes. why it's not doing so well. Yes. I, I think that I, I think it's partially that. I also think that r- critics and reviewers basically saw the troubled production of it because this movie had a lot of struggles when it was being produced, which we can talk about. And I think they saw somebody trying to revisit the formula of the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, which make no mistake, this is what that's exactly what they're doing here. It's just that I love that franchise, so I don't have a problem with it. But it, it is really derivative from the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise to a great degree. And I think critics just a lot of them, frankly, made up their mind that they were going to savage this. Because, as I said, audiences have not responded that same way when they've seen it. Yeah. I mean, the audiences aren't, like, super... I mean, they still only rate, like, 60% on Rotten Tomatoes, but it that's still more than twice what the critics are rating. Yeah, because so, the week the week it got released, like critic rating was like twenty one percent. I don't know what it is now. Uh, yeah, and I, then I, the, I the audience rating was in. The- oh, did we lose him? We may have lost Ryan. Dun dun. Welcome to welcome to what happens every week, Craig. We lose Ryan. Yep. Do you have there any? There he goes. Do you have any witty banter for us? Uh, you're asking me for witty banter on my day off. No, I'm I'm just uh, I'm I'm listening, and uh, as a person who uh, hasn't seen the film, I I will say that um, I mean I personally am looking forward to seeing it uh, whenever I get to it. But um, the thing is that it seems like uh, one of the things is that it's a it's an uphill climb right from square one, uh, where a lot of what I've seen is focused on. Uh, Johnny Depp having to do that sort of, uh, you know, climbing up from the bottom rung of the ladder style of PR, where he's been advertising uh, that he has some degree of Native American heritage, so it's okay if he plays the part that he's playing in the movie, and and so all of this is it's a lot of it is is the entire distribution effort ha- seems to have spun into that manner of kind of covering your back with the publicity. That's a good point. Yeah. Like you anticipate there's a problem if you're Johnny Depp because we live in a time where people are are more sensitive to the plight of Native American culture and you know, it's not the it's not the original Lone Ranger in black and white many 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 decades ago. <laughs> Oh my God, you guys are so much alike. I love it. <laughs> Seriously, you, you even sound alike. It's awesome. 
Oh, we grew up together, it happens. We, we sound alike, we look similar, and uh, that may even be more so now, because you have two Todd avatars. Wow. <laughs> That's great. I, not... I, prefer, I, I prefer the word Toddatar, just saying. I'm not asking for ages. How many years apart are we? Craig is younger than I am, Bray. So how many years apart are you? Four, four, four and a half. Four, four and a half, half years. years yeah. Okay. Cool. Yes, indeed. Uh, Ryan is restarting Skype, just so you know. So um, I, I will I will use right now to say that for folks who want to call in, the phone number is 407-512-5939. Again, 407-512-5939. How do I put that in the thingamajiggy? Uh, you gotta. You can just click the um, the title of okay. the chat set window and just put it in there as a as a phone Give number. Me that phone number again. Four. Yeah. Four zero seven. Four zero seven. Five one two. Five one two. Five Are people still chatting and everything? I have no idea what's going yes. on there. Okay, my yes, chat yes. is like, I I tried it's, like other browsers. Something. Chat's oh. very quiet. Tonight. Chat's very quiet. Yep. Are people saying anything? Are you sure the chat can still hear us and yes. everything? Um, Jeremy Lost said at 7.53, Despicable Me game. Oh. Oh. Let me, let me, let me add it right Okay, in. you got it, yeah. I think they changed that feature so that people can't add themselves into calls anymore like they used to be able to. Okay. Um, Jeremy Lost said, uh, Mark said he can hear us. Okay. Jeremy Lost said, um, Despicable Me came out at the same time, so, um... That may have affected the kid view. I, I, I think that did. I think, um, but um, he mentioned whose idea was it to release Lone Ranger on the day of uh, Despicable Me 2. I think it's actually the other way around. I think that the date was set a long time ago, and uh, they intentionally targeted to release Despicable Me 2 on the same day. I do believe that's what actually happened. Um, Ryan, you there? He was in, and then he was out. It says okay. call failed now. Okay. He's having issues. Tell him to use the iPad if he has to. Oh, now he's back out. Okay. I don't know what he did. Is he still online? Anyway, we should continue forward. So we're going to do that instead of stalling the show and stuff like that. Or we can wait. Usually we wait. I mean, you could, you're not we'll going to cut this out, though. a few more minutes. All right, then... well, that's fine. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll keep going. I mean, look, the, the, the thing is, is um, like Ryan was saying, I mean, it, it has a – he said just keep going, and he'll jump in whenever it gets worked out. So fine, I'm going then. He says go. Go for it. Do. Do for it. Okay, so that's what we're going to do. <laughs> All right. Um, so – I think one of the biggest problems, can I be perfectly honest, is um, the night that we saw it the first time, Cheryl, um, when we went to one of the Madhouse previews for it, is um, that I walked out of there and my immediate tweet was that this is a really, really good movie. It's too bad that audiences no longer uh, understand what a Western is and critics understand even less. I don't think there are any critics left who necessarily ever even watched Westerns when they were a kid. A lot of movie critics today, and I'm going to be really harsh here, uh, probably haven't seen a John Wayne movie or a Clint Eastwood movie. With a few exceptions, but they're the older time guys, so that's different, right? I so think most that probably haven't even seen the, the Coen Brothers redo of True Grit, let alone the John Wayne film. <laughs> right, well, that's, that's my point exactly. I mean, it's, there is this 
movie um, has all the elements of a classic western. Okay, so it's uh, it, it, to me it's uh, and I think that's unfortunate because I think that's part of why it's getting panned. Is people are saying like, well, you know, why would you make why would you make a movie like this? And you know, Jerry made the joke about aliens. Um, going to the Cowboy and Aliens movie that was released, what, was that a year and a half, two years ago that that movie came out now? Um, that movie bombed also, similarly. Uh, a lot of people blamed it on being a Western. So they questioned why would you make another Western? Right? But I think that I don't, this, to compare this to Cowboy versus Aliens, which, well, is an okay movie, is not as much a Western as this is. Ryan, do we have you back? Ryan, do you hear me? Okay, no, he's having terrible problems. I'm going to try removing him from the group. I ejected him from the group. You ejected so him the, from the group. The, the thing, Todd, that, uh, that comes to my mind, though, is that um, there have been sort of resurrections successfully of the Western that are, are not in truly ancient times. And, and you know, there have been... It, it has been a genre that every once in a while still rears its head. If you think back to the 80s, there's a film like Silverado. Um, and if you you could think about like Clint Eastwood doing uh, Unforgiven. Mm-hmm. And, and so it, it's not – I don't think it's a totally dead genre, but there's just something about – there's just something about some part of the people who were involved in this. And, and, and I feel like on the tail end of distribution, the reviewers are involved in the process of a film's being released – and then, um, and so then they were sort of assuming that it was a wounded bird right from the start, and maybe that's a joke in deference to the crow on the head or something. But <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh, I'm echoing now. So if people hear bad things about a movie before it even comes out, and if Johnny Depp is, you know, going around saying, "Hey, it's okay, I'm part Native American," and you know, then people all of a sudden you're putting people on on alert. Brian, are you back? Indeed, indeed. Hey, Craig, I think your mic is too close to your speakers because I, I think I'm echoing and you're blinking. Craig's uh, on his phone. No, I'm not on my phone. I'm on, uh, I'm on Craig's uh, laptop. Yeah. So just make sure to speak. Like if your mic's on the top of your laptop, just tilt the screen back a little bit so it's further away from the speakers. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. Back, though, too. That might help. That might help. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. You're echoing You're a lot. Can happen. Yeah. 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 yeah we'll yeah. figure it out. I don't know. I this don't is going to be weird. Well, mute well, when you're not talking, then. How about that? And jump in whenever you want, Craig. Okay. Feel free to jump in, please. No, no problem. No problem. I'll try not to be too talky, though. I want to let you guys do what you do. Yeah. Yeah. No, we no. like. You know what? You know what? We like. We like. Other views. That's the the thing of the podcast. Yeah, Craig, what I'm suggesting is just mute unless you're talking. No worries. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Ready. Oh, there we go. See, now he muted. That was good. Okay, cool. Sorry. Uh, We were just discussing the whole Western genre thing. Right? Yeah, it's one of those things. Yeah, that's, that's. that was one of the things that people were saying. This isn't going to work because of a Western, like you said. Yeah, I mean, it's it's sad. I just kind of sort of feel that that's probably mostly why it's missing its mark is people just don't know what to make of a lot of things in the movie. 
Yeah, I think I think that's true. I think it's I think it's one of those things where people like just get an idea in their heads as to whether a movie is going to be successful or not, or whether or to, to that point, honestly, they define success by the budget of the film, which is a, is one way to look at it, right? Like that. The film cost two hundred twenty-five million to make, and it's like we said, as of right now, only going to make one hundred twenty-two million or so. But let's not forget that making one hundred twenty-five million dollars or so at the box office in two and a half weeks is not bad. Yeah, that's not that sneeze at. Yeah, it's I mean, that it's it not going to be expensive. in the theaters as long, though. That's the problem. Well, um, I want to bring out a good point from Mark: is that Mark says if he doesn't see the film. So when does it go over the UK? That's my question. Um, I do not uh, know when the UK soon. release is. I believe they just read Carpeted Japan. They did, yeah. They're doing the overseas stuff now. They did it actually different than the way they do, they've do. they done most of the other films uh, where they're, they're trying to roll it out overseas, you know, now as opposed to before the film came out. Yeah, I mean, worldwide, it could end up making more than its budget, but it's still not going to end up with a sequel, I have a feeling, as a result of this. But it's not going to be a John Carter. I hate to tell them. At least it's not John Carter. Well, that's the thing. That's the weird thing, is like the, the trades were all, the Hollywood trades were all reporting they were going to write down this movie like $150 million, and I'm just not seeing it. Like you said, Todd, I mean, between uh, overseas and domestic, it's probably going to run close to $400 million. So, I mean, it's probably going to just about break even when you figure in all the marketing costs and back end and those sorts of things. Yeah, uh, I think it'll come in at about, you know, somewhere in the, you know, shy of 350 overall, I think, after it makes all its money. But that's going to be, you know, by the end of the year, that's not going to be anytime soon. Did Correct. they spend too much on marketing? I asked this question. Do we, uh, they, they spent too much on making it. Yeah. Other than, I know they spend too much making. Do they spend too much on marketing? Is the question I had. I don't know. I mean, movies we, typically are anywhere from thirty to one hundred million dollars these days for marketing, anyway. So they just spent at the high end. Yeah, think, which which Disney does for most of their releases. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to comment two more comments from the chat room. Is that sure. Jeremy says it's a tad like Zorro, and nostalgia is a funny thing. It's true. It's very true. true. All right, let's continue and get on with the plot and get on with this podcast. Well, let's talk about It's a Troubled Past because I believe that's what Ryan was getting ready to talk about. Yeah, I mean, really dropped off. Yeah, the movie, you know, it seems like a sure, sure bet, right? Like putting Johnny Depp and the writers of, writers of Pirates, the director of Pirates together uh, to make a movie. But so according to if you, if you read any of the, the history of this film, uh, it, the original budget came in $250 million. And they were planning to do a storyline about this Wendingo, which is introduced in the film, and kind of we'll talk about how it ends up, but basically introducing supernatural elements like werewolves and uh, and those sorts of things into the film. And that would explain why the Lone Ranger has to have silver bullets, because if you are familiar with any of the old stories of Lone Ranger, that was his whole thing. He had silver bullets, right? Yes, but that's not why he had silver bullets. Not, not in the old days, no. But this, no. Is, this was the, the explanation that, that the writers of Pirates, as you might expect, came up with. Right, because right, the original reason for super, Silver Bullets historically, okay, was that so the, the Lone Ranger would respect life and 
because if he didn't – he had expensive bullets, he wouldn't necessarily want to fire them for any old reason. He would want to fire them for, every, for a good reason and thus taught him to respect and cherish life. That's right. Also, uh, Which, Mark, Mark said the film comes out on August 9th in England. Oh, there we go. All right. See, ask and you shall receive. So it, it very famously before uh, Rich Frost was left the company, uh, the, the former head of Walt Disney Studios, who was much maligned on this podcast, he went to the set and basically they had a very public fight, which never happens. I mean, it very, or very rarely happens, I should say, in, in the press where they basically shut the movie down and said that the budget was going to be $215 million instead of $250 million, and that they had to cut the werewolf stuff. Yeah. And so that, that happened, and this is where we got into the Gore Verbinski uh, putting up some of his own money and Jerry Bruckheimer doing the same, because as they started shooting, uh, the budgets kept going up and up. Because one of the things that you can say – you can say a lot of things about Gore Verbinski as a director – uh, and, and many have in the course of their, frankly, a little too vicious reviews of this film. But one of the things he goes for is authenticity and cinematography and spectacle. So just like in the Pirates films where he insisted that they actually build those pirate ships, he insisted that they build the trains that are kind of central to the plot of this movie. And that is where a lot of the expense came from, in addition to the probably north of $50 million they're paying uh, Johnny Depp and similar, if not quite that much, sums to Verbinski and Bruckheimer. Also yeah. wondering how much they had to pay like CSX and the railroad workers. Um, they, they actually built a lot of the track, too. Yeah. I mean, this is um, all practical crazy. effects. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, but, but I mean, in theory, this train moved, right? So wouldn't when the transportation oh, did, yeah. department have to be there? No, only if it's um, if it's a public rail. Okay. Would that be the case? Okay. Um, now they did get they did rent what's the train that's known as the movie train for the movie. Did you know that? Yes. Good, right. Good old Sierra Number no. Three, which is uh, one of the oldest and most famous uh, television and movie trains in existence. It went into, it was built and put into service in 1891. It is a real steam locomotive. You see it in a number of scenes throughout the movie, and um, just the locomotive head. The rest of the carts are that the ones that they all destroy are not part of it. Just so everyone's aware of that, <laughs> and. Um, Basically, it's it's so famous that it was actually in the original television show. Bet you didn't oh, know that. I didn't know that. Yes. No, I didn't. Um, it's also the train that was used in Back to the Future 3. Okay. okay. Oh, got it. Okay, yeah. The, the train that's in Apple Dumpling Gang Rides Again. Nice. Okay, I kind of named that one because I figured Mark Diva is like an um, Apple Dumpling guy. I don't know why. I think that, but I have a feeling Mark, he is. Let us know if you are or not, or if you're just a huge movie guy. And, and just tons of other stuff. I mean, on and on and on the list goes. It is the train that people want to have in their movies, and when they're making a movie, they're going to have a train in it. Basically it. Yeah. I think we may have lost Mark Deba. Dun, dun. Sorry, he'll let us know. Definitely. <laughs> so... Yeah, this the movie, you know, kind of got off to a rough start. And and honestly, a lot of people asked why Disney even wanted to make this movie. Like you had said, Todd, about the 
the whole issue with it being a Western. And, um, you know, frankly, I think there's probably a bit of a Johnny Depp uh, haterism out there from the critics. If you'll recall, the Tim Burton Alice in Wonderland wasn't hugely well-reviewed. Some of his other films recently, obviously Pirates 4 has been panned. Uh, not necessarily unfairly, but it was it was definitely panned. The second and third pirate films were as well. So there's a little bit. Haunted th- Mansion. Th- oh, he wasn't in that, was he? No. No, but well, oh, Gore Verbinski. I'm, I was meant Gore Verbinski. Gore well, yeah, he's well, he's he's in the same boat as Johnny Depp is regarding that. Yeah, I mean, he 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 touched all these fail these movies that are failing. Part of the problem, like you were getting to originally, though, is that. Um, a lot of people are feeling is that maybe PG thirteen movies just aren't for Disney. Yeah, there's right, a lot because, of people who said that too. Because all these movies that are failing are PG thirteen. Yeah, except for the original Pirates, which was you know extremely successful. Not that the other right. Pirates weren't, but comparatively. But what would they do? Put it under a different label? They could. They could they, put it they, out under Touchstone. Lone, well, the, uh, Lone Ranger itself wasn't a PG-13 television show, right? No, it wasn't. It's true. But I don't think the rating system existed back then. This well, is where Pixar manages the balance, though, because Pixar makes these animated films that very often, at least the ones that are the most successful, manage to, to, to really strike that balance where you could have a kid in the audience sitting next to his parents or her parents, and the parents will love the film, the kids will love the film, nobody's going to be lost. In, in that sort of desire to have as large an audience as possible. And uh, I don't know, so maybe the PG-13 cutoff, maybe that's right with Disney films. Maybe it's true. Well, and, and don't forget, they now have Marvel and Star Wars to produce these big-budget action-adventure films that are going to be PG-13 rated anyway, right? So, it, you know, maybe these kinds of films don't have a fit in the Disney portfolio anymore. Although I, I don't agree with that, and I think I think this... I, while I like the film, I definitely think it could have been better. Uh, and I think, but I think this film could have easily been on par with the other pirates films if they had chosen to go one way or another. And I feel like they ended up having to make compromises for budget reasons and studio reasons and and other reasons like that that made a film not as good as it could have been. Also, based on Craig's point, Disney has had to do a lot of saving lately. Let's talk about our favorite upcoming movie, which is going to come up, which I might get a preview for. Um, is Planes? That's also going. That's also being saved by Pixar. So maybe True. I don't know. Maybe maybe we weren't so bad on the Rich Ross. I know we complain about him. Oh no 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 no! Don't even start there. Because we got Mars Needs Moms and John Carter and Prom. That's that's all you need. That's that's enough to get fired right there. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we need somebody else then. I don't know. Well, to be fair, the slate that's coming out now is Rich Ross's slate of films. Uh, and and Disney – the problem is Disney now is an outlet for other films to be released, right? Like the Marvel films – and the Pixar films. So this year, between Iron Man 3 and Monsters University, Walt Disney Pictures is, and, and the Walt Disney Company, rather, is going to be fine, right? Because they're, th- those two films being released are making all the money in the world. Um, Iron Man 3 is the biggest film of the summer, uh, and Monsters University is probably going to be, you know, 
third or fourth, maybe. Uh, Man of Steel is second, and I think Monsters U is probably third. Uh, so it's not like it's not like Disney's hurting, and and like we, like we said, this one's probably going to make back its money. It's just not going to do it as quickly as Disney might have hoped. I'm just seeing uh, talking. I know this probably is better for the planes podcast, but seeing what competition is out there for planes, I'm wondering what Disney's thinking. Because there's two of the movies out there, one Turbo and one time yeah. traveling turkeys movie. Yeah, I I which, think which I think planes movies and most both of them look much better than planes ever looks. To me, I think planes is. I mean, this is a whole other thing we'll talk about when we do planes. But I think that movie was, as we said before, intended to be a straight to DVD, intended to sell toys, and they're giving it a limited run in the theaters to, you know, just to try and get a little more exposure for it. I, I think it's a low-budget film, and I don't think they're worried about how much it makes. Okay. Yeah, I we'll think, see. I think they're trying to uh, stick with this concept of, you know, releasing a certain number of movies each year and stuff like that, and they're just using the planes to fill the quota for this year. That's honestly yeah, what I, I agree think with is that. going on. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. But uh, we'll talk about planes in a few weeks. Let's talk about The Lone Ranger because it's uh, it's it's a complicated movie. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but ever since it came out, I've been debating its merits on Twitter almost the entirety of the time that, that since I saw it. So, uh, And I've recommended friends go see it, and I've talked to people who've seen it. So uh, let's get into it. So b- before we get started, I want to ask, okay, just simply – were you with the critics or again, or did you disagree with them? So, Bree, what about you? Completely disagree with the critics. Todd? Oh, I, I disagree with the critics. I think this is actually a really good Western. It's not a perfect Western. It's got problems. It's got a lot of anachronisms, like you said. I didn't even bother getting into that because there's so much other stuff to talk about with this movie. Um, but, yeah, overall, I really liked it. I disagree with the critics yeah and and i i knew that already because at after the preview that you got into and i did not you texted me and said it was better than iron man 3 and i still think that i i don't but it's not it's close and cheryl what about you agree with the critics i think the critics need to say glasses i think this was a really good epic movie um I do want to bring some points from the chat room that say the the chat room says that um, that maybe the villain was the wrong type of criminal. Maybe maybe we shouldn't have had the blood loving criminal. That's that's the fault of the super original supernatural stuff that was in the movie. And we lost Ryan again. I, I realize that. I'm gonna keep talking anyway. Okay. Um, like. Uh, when, when it was originally – like he didn't really touch on it. And, uh, we're not going to go heavy into it because it's not really what the movie's about. But it explains why the movie has this darkness to it, but it's still lighthearted because they try to shift away from the horror story, that it, horror thriller that the movie was originally supposed to be. Okay? Uh, you know, a Wendigo is a, cannib- is a cannibal that gets cursed. Uh, you know, it's an Algonquin myth. So if you eat the flesh of a man, you become a Wendigo, which is this creature of the night that – that basically hunts for more flesh. Sorry, I didn't mean to be too graphic there, but that's the truth. And so um, when they in Butch Cavendish was supposed to be a Wendigo in the original script treatment done by uh, 
Elliot Rossio, right? Did I get that right? Elliot Rossio. And when it was rewritten, Hayes, uh, by Hay- Justin Hayes, he rewrote that stuff out but had to keep the dark elements in because they had started some amount of filming and stuff at that point. And uh, so let's see. He says, keep going and remove me and try to add me back. I can't actually remove him because it actually shows he's still in it, but uh, we'll add him back. Yes. We'll see what happens. He says try. <laughs> he says try. So are you back? I'm here. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. So – and I was just saying, so what happened is just all these supernatural elements that they tried to write out because they had actually already started doing some amount of filming and production work, they, had, yeah. they couldn't write out completely. So um, they had to keep the story – at a, cert- at a certain pace, and they had to introduce certain elements in what they filmed. So uh, they made, kept Butch Cavendish as basically a cannibal, but took all the Wendigo stuff out. I don't know. I yeah, think, which... I'm sorry. I think they could have maybe ditched the, the, the Butch Cavendish plot and none of us would have noticed. Possibly. Well, I, they're... So keep in mind, like Ryan said, this is Gore Verbinski, who is uh, a slave to the source. It's something he's well known for. So because Butch Cavendish is the classic villain, the villain who is required to do the Lone Ranger's origin as the Lone Ranger's origin is always done, you have to yep. have Butch Cavendish be in the movie. Okay, because I, th- I kind of thought, and I kind of saw Butch Cavendish, the, 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 well, the good bad guy. I guess I don't know what to tell him. The other guy, yeah. Bush Cavendish's brother, as the as the as the you know the standard criminal that was okay. Right. So so really quick, I, I'm going to try and not stick too much on the television show and the books and stuff like that for the Lone Ranger, but because I know it, I'm just going to go over it a little bit. Is there are certain elements that are in this movie that are brought forward? From those from those sources, one of them is the silver mine. But in the original story, it was actually Dan Reed and John Reed who actually find the silver mine, and they they don't do evil things with it. They're not trying to do it. They just they actually found it. It's actually supposed to be the original uh, Lost San Saba mine, okay, or the Spanish mines. You might have heard of it as in any no- other number of names. And so that's what this is supposed to be. And they that's actually what how John ends up getting money to go to school in the East and then come back as a lawman. That's basically the original plot. Um, there is always a Butch Cavendish in every telling of the story. He is the bad guy. He is the classic bad guy. Um, and I'll get to how that works out in a second. Um, and basically, Collins is always the turncoat. So this is like – so you have to understand, like, as somebody who knows it, none of this was a surprise to me in the movie. Uh, so Collins is always the turncoat. Uh, there's always – uh, seven graves, okay, but only six people actually buried, mm-hmm. okay, in um the in the the passageway, okay, that they go into, which sometimes has a name and sometimes doesn't, so it's not really that important. Um, now, um, Butch Cavendish actually gets uh, captured eventually, very early on in the various Lone Ranger uh, radio show stuff, and then it's not until the twentieth anniversary of the Lone Ranger, so they actually set it twenty years after the initial shooting, that uh, Butch Cavendish actually ends up uh, escaping from prison and has a final standoff with the Lone Ranger gets killed, and that's how the whole thing goes about. So there is actually a lot of room to grow. Um, Tonto is not the only sidekick to the Lone Ranger in the original Lone Ranger. Actually, Dan Reed Jr. is another sidekick. 
Uh, so if they ever made a sequel, they could have him be more have a larger role and you know things like that. Now, um, do we want to talk about the other fun stuff? I might as well. I'll go into the whole thing. Why not? Really quick. Can we go into my favorite part? That's what I was going to do. That's what I was going to do. Um, so uh, Cheryl wants to talk about her favorite part. Is that Cheryl has a very big thing. She likes when things connect together. Okay. So one of the um, important right. connections here is that. Hold on, if, we have a phone call. Oh, we have yeah. a phone call. Oh, let's take yeah. a phone call. No, Ryan has a phone call. Oh, I want to take a phone. Oh, call. it's 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 the Nielsen Company. They want me to uh, to to get a box so that I can rate rate television shows, and I don't I have only the hard to tell them that I don't watch any. So. <laughs> but anyway, moving on. That's funny. <laughs> so um, now the Lone Ranger was originally created by either George Trendle or Fran Stryker. Now a lot of now you might say why either because they both kind of claim that they created him, but neither one says the yeah, other after, one didn't. After it was successful, <laughs> right, right. But neither they one says that it. they didn't. The other one didn't, and they both say that they didn't do it together. So it's a little confusing, okay? Um, they also, after the success of the Lone Ranger series, went on to create another character called the Green Hornet, okay? And because they owned the rights to the Lone Ranger, they actually took the character of Dan Reed Jr. and made him be the father of Britt Reed, who is the Green Hornet, okay? Thus, the Green Hornet is actually the great nephew of the Lone Ranger. Yes. Okay, this is very important stuff. Now, I think there's probably like, I guess maybe Bree's the only person on the call who actually didn't know that because I think I've been through this with Craig several times. <laughs> okay, so that's uh, now what's really fun is that the character of who John Todd, who played Tonto on the uh, radio series, actually played Dan Reed Jr. on the Green Hornet television show. Did you know oh, that? Oh, that I didn't know. Yes. Oh, no, wow. that's cool. So uh, that's yeah. So that's fun, and um, it's and when they did the when they did uh, the recent movie last year, right? Was it last year or the year before? They did the Seth Rogen movie, right? Was Seth Rogen right? Not crazy. Yeah, there. Okay. Seth Rogen wrote me okay. and uh, starred. He added another car- He added another generation in because he had to to make his uh, Green Hornet be modern. So he added in James Reed. Now James Reed is played by Tom Wilkerson, who plays Cole, the bad guy in this movie. Oh, that I didn't know because I, I haven't seen that movie. So, <laughs> so it, there's there. So these things are always tied together. I mean, there's there's always some level of attempting to tie together the Lone Ranger and the Green Hornet. And in fact, in comic books now, it gets even more complicated because in comic books, uh, they actually are throwing in uh, the Phantom and Zorro as relatives in this family tree as well. So, bet you didn't know there that. No, I, I didn't. still think Disney should buy the Green Hornet franchise and put it in with the Marvel franchise. I, they're actually, here's the thing. They can't – well, they, they would have to, but they're not – like I said, because they're not currently packaged together. Now there's a wait period on that according to the way these things work because they weren't owned by the same people. Ah. So it's not a licensing deal. Uh, I think Disney actually basically bought the rights to Lone Ranger, ah. right? Yeah, I think that's correct. Well, I, actually, DreamWorks bought it and handed it over to Disney as part of their package deal. I think ah. that's what, what actually happened. Could be. Okay. All right. So, so let's talk about the movie because, um, as, as we said, the movie does have issues, uh, but I think all four of us it, it really enjoyed it. Um, and I think, to your point, Todd, the issues that the film has stem from a couple of things, mainly the supernatural elements that are still in the movie, yet – the actual supernatural plot is not 
And then for me, one of the issues is the framing device that's used for the movie, which is it opens at a 1933 fair in San Francisco where a little boy dressed as the Lone Ranger walks into this uh, circus tent, basically, uh, the shows of the Wild West, and he sees this old what looks like a mannequin uh, Indian with the title The Noble Savage that is revealed to be not a mannequin but actually Tonto, an, an old Comanche who talks about his experiences with the Lone Ranger. Can I just want to say before we go too far, I love that buffalo. It reminds me of the buffalo on Living with the Land. Yeah. <laughs> That's Fair like enough. That. And me and Zinn apparently love bu- 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 buffalo. Uh-huh. Right. Fair enough. All right. But but not buff not eating buffalo as you can do at Ted's Montana Grill around the corner from me. I can I no longer eat meat, so no. I I know this is what I'm saying. I, I just want to be clear. You you like the animal, you don't want it to be eaten. That is true. There you go. Uh, does anybody else get creeped out by the old Tonto and him relating the story of the film? No, yes. I thought it was good. I thought it was a good. I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed that part. That was like the best part to me. It, it took me a good few minutes to realize that was Johnny Depp. <laughs> I didn't know that was him at first. So you were creeped out by it. Yes, intensely. <laughs> me too. Like, I, it it took me out of the movie every time it happened. Initially, I was thrown by it, then I just kind of got used to it. That's yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of figured it was Johnny being Johnny, if you know what I'm saying. Sure. Right, like if, you, if you've watched At World's End and there's the whole part about the peanut and the goat and all this kind of stuff that he's going through, I feel like that was just Gore Verbinski going, okay, Johnny, just do what you're going to do, get it out of your system. I feel like that's what this was. Well, if you remember uh, way back when they were originally releasing uh, like really, really early teasers of the movie that – the final, final scene where he's walking away in the desert as a really old Indian. They don't yeah. introduce him as Tonto, but they actually – the whole scene that plays over the in, opening – the ending credits was already released like years ago. Yeah, which it, – it makes me think that this whole that, – that whole device of them at the fair and him narrating the whole thing was part of an earlier script or – you know what I mean? Like it – for me, it didn't feel like it fit with this movie. Yeah. I feel like we we could have opened with the railroad, you know, opening day sort of thing, and we'd have been fine. And then flashing back. Well, I mean, that that's where the the film opens, right? With with um, Latham Cole opening the transcontinental railroad, basically. Yeah, I had a problem with that too. Okay. <laughs> He keeps mentioning Promontory Summit. They're not at Promontory Summit. Okay, fair enough. And the rails are meeting where they are in Colby, and that's not Promontory Summit. And there's no golden spike, and I was trying to figure this out every time it came up. But to be fair, you're the only person who cared about that. And they, But they have the ceremony in the movie not once <laughs> but twice. I that, that, that part is true. That, like, that was weird. Like four weeks apart almost by basically by the time lapse that happens in the movie, right? The movie basically is like a month of time, near as I can tell. Okay. Yeah. 
right? Yeah, and about right. So, because I, I mean, like I'm re- like everyone says a few days. I don't think it's a few days in some cases. I think it's like weeks in some cases. Yeah, I, th- I think especially like after he quote unquote gets killed and yes. returns. Yes, exactly. I mean, he's not like up and riding around with silver bullets the next day or silver bullet, right? There's only one silver bullet in the movie, right? Right. And and um, six shooters that shoot like fifty shots, but we won't get into that. Yeah, but, but yeah. So to, to talk to what Todd's talking about, Latham Cole, who is the the uh, I guess the city manager or something, and, and he works with the railroad. It's not really well defined how what his actual role is until the very end of the movie. Uh, but he is you know giving this big speech about how the railroads are going to come together in Colby, Texas. Uh, it is 1869, we're told, and. The, the train that is coming to stop there in Colby, uh, he says, is carrying the outlaw Butch Cavendish, who has been captured by Dan Reed, the Texas Ranger. And we're introduced to Dan Reed's wife, and we're introduced to – that's Rebecca Reed, and then, of course, Dan Reed Jr. And um, we'll be seeing her – go ahead. We will be seeing the lady who plays um... – Dan Reed's wife in the future because she's going to be in Saving a Mr. Banks. Indeed, she is. Which will hopefully be a much better success for Disney than this will be. It, yes. Yeah, one would hope. Uh, did anybody recognize Dan Reed from Iron Man 3? Yes, he was the seven dude. Yes, he was. Our Avengers connection. Indeed. There you go. Yep. So. The, the train is coming to town, and we're, and we're immediately introduced to the fact that Mr. Latham Cole has a little thing for uh, Rebecca Reed. He, he's, he's kind of sweet on her, in case you couldn't tell. <laughs> in a creepy, creepy way. Like, that right there was sort of a dead giveaway that he, he was a bad guy. Spoiler alert. Well, it's, it's funny because now the, the way they wrote out the story as, as it unfolds later on is uh, he's not – he's like – older than I am today in the movie. And yes. He's, and he's sweet on her, and she ain't, she's young in the movie, so... Oh, yeah, she's really young. I get the impression that yeah. she, was, she was supposed to go, go being with, being with the brother, not with Dan, so... Yes, well... And, but not that I'm against that if it happens under the right circumstances, but this was just creepy. Agreed. Yeah, very creepy. I think it's meant to be, uh, but we're introduced to, to Dan Reed, who the Texas Ranger, and soon we open in what I thought was a great action set piece at the beginning of the movie, where Butch Cavendish uh, escapes, his, his outlaws come and get him off the train, he is chained up next to Tonto, the Johnny Depp character, the Indian, and John Reed, the lawyer, is also on the train, played by Army Hammer. And we have this great action set piece where, you know, Tonto is trying to make sure Cavendish doesn't get off the train. Cavendish has a gun hidden in the floorboards of the train. And it's this big sequence of back and forth and shooting on the train. And this is the part in the trailer where uh, Johnny Depp and uh, Army Hammer get chained to each other. And they're on the roof of the train and get caught by the hook and taken away. And they're arguing over whether they're going somewhere or not. If you remember that part from the uh, from the trailers. I mean, I, I thought when I saw this part of the movie, I was like, I'm in. I mean, just the way that Verbinski shoots the action on the train was fantastic. Yeah, it was like uh, – like I said, it, it, it had all the elements of a classic Western train robbery. Yes. Yeah. 
and, and not just that, but I mean, like it, it had that modern sensibility of action set piece to it. You know what I mean? Like you wouldn't see this in a John Wayne movie. It was a modern take on those kind of, you know, Western tropes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's where I was like, okay, all right, I'm in. I, I like this. And then, so Cavendish escapes, and the rest of the, you know, the the gang escapes, and so Tonto gets thrown into the jail in the town of Colby, and Dan deputizes John, and after his brief reunion with Rebecca, and they get sent out to go after the Cavendish gang. So this is the part that that Hughes very true to like you were saying, Todd, the or the original origins of the Lone Ranger from like the TV show and the radio show and all that kind of stuff, where the Rangers are going out after Cavendish. Yeah, and they get betrayed and ambushed. So one of their own, Collins, goes off to scout, and he's a turncoat, as you mentioned, and he gives the way their position. They get ambushed, and all of them get killed, uh, with the quote-unquote exception of John. It's not really clear if he actually gets killed or, or not. I don't think uh, so. That, that, was, that pretty much looked like shoulder injury. That's what I think, too. But clearly and he wasn't good part, with pain. I think that was part of no. it. No. Yeah, and so we, we, we'll talk about the portrayal of him because that's the other big problem critics had with this movie is that the Lone Ranger comes across as not quite the hero he needs to be. And I have a rebuttal to that, but we'll, we'll talk about it. But he, this is the part of the movie that a lot of people that we talked about earlier, where Cavendish, you know, finds Dan as he's dying in the dirt, cuts out his heart and eats it. Uh, yeah. So the way it's shown is actually, it's shown in John's eyeball, the way the camera, the camera shot, which I thought was like a really inventive way to get your point across and yet not show like it's it's almost a Hitchcock method, you know what I'm saying? I'm also yeah. going to say act- something that's not child friendly. The angle yes. was a little bit off-putting, so if you weren't really sure, it could have been something else. And that's all I'm saying, folks. Yeah, keeping that's it clean. True. Yeah, you're right. But it's almost like the Hitchcock thing, right? Like Hitchcock always used to say, the stuff that you imagine in your head is worse than what I can show you on the screen. Right. Well, that's that's the thing is they have John blink at just the right moment so you don't actually see it happen. Right. So that's that's why I think people I, like like I said, if you've seen Temple of Doom, you've seen worse than this. Like from as far as what's actually depicted on the screen. Yeah. Faces melting in Raiders of the Lost Ark are worse than this, to be honest. Yeah. That's yeah. That's right. But this is another piece of the film that plays into that whole supernatural element, yet doesn't actually pay off. So, and the reason for that is Tonto, who has somehow escaped from jail, right? Like, we don't know how that happened. And they even make a joke about it in the movie. (laughs) The kid. This is why I was okay with the kid thing, because the kid was a good foil for the storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. But Tonto escapes. Uh, he makes it out to where all where they all are and digs the graves, which again is part of the traditional tale. And but all of a sudden, Silver, the the white horse, appears. The spirit horse. Yep. Right. It's not Silver until the end of the movie. Oh, good point. 
Yes, the spirit horse appears and awakens John, right? He snorts on him or points to him. You know, he keeps trying to – Tonto, this is I, – I got – This is where my joke comes in, folks. I think we lost Tried to drag the horse over to Dan. <laughs> oh, he's back. Uh, but instead – no, I'm here. I'm here. This yeah, no, you're good. My, no, I got – This is where my joke comes in, folks. The wrong – the Kimosabe. <laughs> the wrong brother. Yes. Poor Craig. I'm sure he feels like the wrong brother listening to us talk. No, it's cool. <laughs> He's probably enjoying it. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm on board. I, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm just trying to listen more because I, I really, uh, I haven't seen the movie. So I mean, in, injecting things in the project, production issues earlier in that part of the discussion a little bit easier for me because that's stuff that I picked up from the press. But right, pretend I've seen the movie when I haven't. <laughs> Fair enough. Hopefully Fair we're enough. not spoiling too much for you, Greg. Yeah, it's cool. Trust us, it's still worth watching even if you know what's happening. The uh, the plot twists are not that twisty. Do you guys agree with that? I There really aren't any. So. Except for that <laughs> weird Rebecca plot with the, with the... The only thing that bugged me so much was the Chinese lady being like... The I don't know what she was doing using her mind Jedi mind tricks. No, no, she was she was drugging her. She she introduced two drugs to her, but they weren't really clear about it. Uh, they it was not a um, there it was not a um, herb tea. It was a we will say medicinal tea that she gave but, her. But she starts with the with the with the with the with the with the necktie. No, no, no. He, he, buy, he buys it for her. He, no, he nods to her to but, buy it. But she originally is the one dealing with her, and she kind of giant mind tricks her into, yeah, she will buy it. I guess. I, I just thought she was trying to sell her silk tie thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree. That's what I thought, too. I kind of thought she was giant mind tricking. Sorry. Too much <laughs> Sorry, right. when you watch a lot of Star Wars. That's right. There you go. But yeah, so Tonto keeps trying to drag the white horse over to to Dan Reed instead of John uh, with with little success. And John wakes up and Tonto explains to him uh, that Collins betrayed them and is working with Cavendish. And Tonto explains that he believes that Cavendish is a Wendigo. So this is something that's been, you know, that it's basically like a, a legend. It's not quite werewolves like we were originally told from the the press, but basic idea being that if you if you are a cannibal such as Cavendish, you'll turn into a werewolf like creature called the Wendigo. Yes, I explained this earlier when you were offline. So yeah, yeah. So and, and it's something like it's a he's a character in Marvel comics, right? The X Men fight him. All he, time. he is um, actually. I'll, it was uh, Wolverine was originally hunting him. That's how they. That's how he bumped into the Hulk initially, and that's why. That's when the rivalry between Hulk and uh, and Wolverine came about, and um, Sasquatch yep. was involved, and Alpha Flight, and all that stuff. Yep. But anyway, there which, you go. Which is what my son just walked over to tell me from the other room. Oh, did he? He wanted to make sure we got that right. Yes. There, there. I, 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 I knew it. Come on. <laughs> I, I wish you did. But... It's my wheelhouse. All right. Um, no, but I want to talk – that spirit platform that he was on, that was uh, – the one that was all the way up on top of the really tall mountain was CGI, but they actually built this thing on a cliff. 
to get a lot of the right effects and feel. And yes. they filmed it with a helicopter flying around. So he was really on top of this thing that they built. It just wasn't all the way up on a big, super tall, spiky, mountainy thing in the desert. It was just like a ledge. But still well, that's kind the of thing. Cool. That's the thing about Gore Verbinski, man. Like he doesn't, he doesn't mess around with stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like he, if he's gonna do something like that. He's going to build the practical set, and he's going to put somebody up there, and he's going to make that shot. I mean, that crane shot where they go all around that thing is incredible. Yeah, no, it's a, it's, it, it, it's, it wasn't a crane. It was a helicopter, actually. They stuck oh, the they camera. Did, that's right. Yeah. yeah, they stuck the camera in a helicopter, which is even cooler when you think about it. Yeah. Um, no, no, you're right. He is, uh, he is very true. In fact, uh, be, the – because of the insistence of the horse trainer, who we can discuss a little later, um, they actually all got sent to cowboy boot camp, which is really cool. <laughs> we, always talk, we always like to talk about the research, but I mean basically they spent like more than a month at this school learning how to ride, rope, fire real six shooters. That's pretty that's, sweet. I mean that sounds like a lot of fun for a movie. I wonder how much that cost them. <laughs> uh, about two hundred and fifty million dollars. Sorry. <laughs> I'm resist. sort of curious, uh, a, a little bit off topic of the actual film, just for a second. How much, yeah. uh, how much branding there's going to be regarding the film at the parks? Oh, well, like, I, I am. You know, I, I am sitting looking at my Texas Ranger badge, drinking out of my uh, Lone Ranger boot mug. <laughs> And they show a preview at the stu- at the studios. That's right. And they had a preview thing at the studios. Um, and they had um, they during the Cars Masters weekend they had um, a mock up of Lone Ranger and Tonto on the outside of Planet Hollywood. But uh, I mean, I, I guess I was thinking more um, in uh, at the Magic Kingdom. No, is, is there not going to be anything at the Magic? There's a lot of there's a lot of merchandise, and I don't know. Do they still have the boot mugs? I guess the person in the chat to ask would be Shelley or Mark Deba, right? I don't know. Anybody else is in the chat off the top of my head that would necessarily know if they still have the boot mugs or if they've run out yet. Well, I know that the, the talk was that they, there was a plan to do a big Lone Ranger overlay in Frontierland out at Disneyland if this movie was a big success. Because at Disneyland, there's a, there's a big uh, open space behind Big Thunder Mountain where they've for years and years and years talked about putting something. Uh, and the talk was if this movie was a big success, they would they would do something there. But obviously, not so much. Not happening. So yeah. you're not going to get one of those uh, like they do with the uh, um, with the haunted mansion where you get the Nightmare Before Christmas overlay that's done. Nothing like that's going to happen. I, in this case, let's just say. I, I wouldn't think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think Disney's eager to put this one behind them. Unless uh, they and they made it, that decision. Early. I do want to say a caveat. They are doing a lot of they are doing a lot of work to the railroad itself. But I don't Big Thunder it, Mountain, yeah. No, I meant the the Walt Disney World Railroad. A Walt Disney World? Yes. Yes. But I don't think any of it's gonna be Long Ranger based. If anything, they'll do stuff in Frontierland. As long as I still get to have my real fake deer, I'm okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and that, by the way, Craig, that, yes. that overlay you were talking about, may, we may or may not get to see some of our favorite stuff because we may be missing it because of their overlay. 
There you have it. So, so yeah, we 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 get uh, John up on this giant tower, and uh, you know he beca- he's informed by Tonto basically that he needs to wear a mask since he you know is believed to be dead. Another thing carried forward from the from the. Uh, TV series is that the mask actually from the radio show actually the uh, mask is always made from his dead brother's vest yep and then uh, in this version Tonto makes a silver bullet from the badges of the fallen Texas Rangers and Tonto tells him to use the silver bullet on Cavendish so kind of a variation on what you were saying Todd about the whole reason of the silver bullets being you know expensive and that sort of or you know valuable and you must save them kind of a thing it's a a bit of a twist on that but he's not shy in using his bullets throughout the rest of the film well regular because they're regular bullets well actually he is he initially he won't even fire a gun yes yeah well right okay the character is the film is not shy about having him fire a gun no, Perhaps not better once he realizes <laughs> that he's actually like this crazy good shot. Yeah, so let, let's talk about that because this is the other objection that a lot of people have to the film is that the Lone Ranger, John, the character of John, is sort of a bumbler throughout most of the film and that it's Tonto who's really guiding him. And so people say, well, basically the hero is not that heroic. I guess. Well, one, let's face it, part of that is because Johnny Depp is a bigger actor than Army Hammer. Although, it should be said, Army Hammer is a fabulous actor, if you've yeah, seen him in no, other stuff. Yeah, he is. I mean, it's, it's fine. I don't have a huge problem with him at all. I thought he was actually a good pick for the character, to be honest. I agree. Okay. Um, I, was he... Was he... Yeah, he was a little bumbling and nebbishy, but it, he... He wasn't already a ranger, and already, and he hadn't fought in the war like the original Lone Ranger had. That's actually something that they changed for this movie. So he really had to grow into being a hero because it wasn't something that he was already in line to do. Right. You know. So I mean, here's where, yeah, here's where I feel like they ripped off pirates because he's the Will Turner of this film. And I say ripped off because these are the guys who came up with the original one, so it's not really a ripoff. But you, you see what I mean? <laughs> I suppose that's true. But, I mean, that's what he is, right? He's got this crazy, you know, wizened old Johnny Depp character to show him around and to get him, you know, where he needs to be to accomplish the goal he needs to accomplish. Uh, he even has his woman taken at some point. Yeah. True. And so we have, we have an actual phone call. Uh, hold on, I to, can you call us? Uh, they, I added them wrong, right? Right, no, I'm on. I'm on. Can you hear me? Yeah, I, I added you wrong. Can you call us very back? Sure, absolutely. Thank you. Hello. Oh. Hold on. Oh. Um, how do I add the call? Ryan dropped out of the call. How do I add this person to the call? You're supposed. Uh, Hi, keep Jeff. doing that wrong. Hold on, I got everyone else in. Hold on. I can't do that. Okay, nope. Oh, darn. Do you want me to try try calling via Skype, Cheryl? Who's this? This is Tammy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll add you in. Okay, cool. Hello. Hold on, getting, adding, adding people in. You add them from the menu here. There's a plus button. 
Uh, uh, it's a stammy, so I'm adding her in. <laughs> okay, that works. Wait. How come Tammy failed? I don't know. Ryan, add contacts. Let me get Tammy in. Okay. Issues, add to call. Add to call. Oh, you added her other thing? Yes. That's so, fine. There we are. Now I'm here. <laughs> Hey, Tammy. I just finally, I finally got to sit down and start listening to you guys. And I heard, um, Ryan, I just heard you talking about how Will Turner is uh, very similar to the Lone Ranger. And my only yes. problem with that, that whole entire thing, is I felt that Will Turner grew throughout the whole first Pirates of the Caribbean movie. But Army Hanner's uh, The Lone Ranger did not grow, I feel, personally, did not grow until the last 15 minutes of the film. And there was, of course, there was the, um, you know, uh, Jack Sparrow not, doesn't really care, you know, what happens to Will Turner, but in a way he does. But the whole relationship between The Lone Ranger and Tonto was just really uh, insulting to one another. You know, one would hit someone over the head, one would leave them with uh, the, the scorpions, and it just... I didn't. I didn't see a friendship in there at all. So I couldn't even care less for either of the characters because their just attitude to one another was just disturbing and 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 silly. But with Will and Jack, you know, Jack is after one thing. We know that, um, and they're not really. And Will is very respectable, and he didn't really do anything to you know Johnny. I just I felt that 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 connection thing. You know, Army Hammer and Johnny Depp are perfect. They're great and they did have a good like joking chemistry, but with the serious things of just being nasty to one another, I just didn't really like that. I didn't think that was that was that was that was that was, that was nice for the character the characters at all. I can agree with you. So I agree that like their relationship, they weren't forming a friendship, um, and it's not the it's not the same relationship that the the first pirates of, of of Will Turner and Jack Sparrow. Although I will say that Jack Sparrow tries to sell Will off to be killed in that movie, so it's similar. In a way, because you, <laughs> I guess it's the fact that well, then he kind of explains for the fact that you know he's selling him off, but then for a reason to save his self. Which would also lead to saving, you know, Elizabeth or and Will, hopefully. You know, it, it, he's he's not really always he's thinking about himself, but then he, again, he thinks about other people. And I guess you get to the end the end of that series, he does really care for Will and Elizabeth. But that's another story in of itself. So I was yeah. just, I was just actually gonna I absolutely agree with you, Ryan. I feel like that that friendship was really weird. If they worked on that and it made it a little bit more stronger, I think a lot of people would have cared for those characters because I kept hearing the same thing. I, I got to see a pre-screening of it and I kept hearing the same things as I went out. You know, it, it's nothing like the TV series and the characters are just too mean to one another. And I was hearing this while I was leaving the theater and I was thinking about it. I was like, well, yeah, that this is, this is actually true. And I was really disappointed because I really wanted to see more of Helen Baum Carter. You know, they, that was a, that was a, such a throwaway, you know? I, I, it was, and, yeah, that's true. Her and Tonto yeah. could have been used together, you know, because Helen and Johnny have such a great chemistry. But You would think from the previews that she was like this major character in the movie, and she's not even in 15 minutes of the movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's right. <laughs> so so I think, I think my, my personal opinion is, like, if they had just edited this movie down, taken her out completely – taken out the whole heart eating business uh and all the and the wear bunnies which 
there's no reason to even talk about that because it's pretty much all I can say about it is they were werewolf looking bunnies. That's ridiculous. That, I mean, that was ridiculous. Oh, good. Yeah. If they had if edited they... that down. <laughs> and put a musical you know, number like... in it. <laughs> <laughs> I, if they should have had Helen Bob Carter, like the same thing from Lay Miz, just stick that totally into this. To Frontierland. I think that would work. Just have wear bunnies in Frontierland. Wear bunny day. Put him in the Thunder uh, Thunder Mountain Railroad. That scene where you're just going right through the uh, past the saloon. Yeah, they just can pop, pop up, up and just lunge at you. Maybe it'd be the way to wean people off the turkey legs. What is it? It's all wear bunny legs. Nice. If they had cut that much out, basically the entire next portion of the movie that we're about to talk about, uh, cut about 25 minutes out of the movie and cut those specific things, I think this movie would have done great. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it's it's an hour, it's about 150 minutes long, right? That's like two and a half hours. Two and a half hours. It's it's a long movie. I mean, it's a lot. Which, to be fair, the Pirates films are. Right, right. The, all so the pirates come through. Callers, Tammy, you sting until we get a new call. That's a new rule. <laughs> That's a new rule. I have to actually get going. I oh. have a, I have an interview, but I just wanted to, to pitch in and who say, Ryan, I agree. Who are you interviewing? Tell us who. I, I am interviewing two of the orphans from the Annie uh, TV film in '94, uh, '99. So, uh, um, uh, and I'm calling them on their uh, cell phones, and uh, we're just going to talk about Kathy Bates and um, <laughs> how great she was, and all that, and all that good stuff. But um, I'll let you know. I'll let you know how it goes. I hope you guys get to review that show too. I love that movie too. That's a, what, that's a sl- that's shorter than Lone Ranger. <laughs> Annie? Yeah. I don't think it's a Disney movie. Yes, it is. It's uh, on ABC. It's a Disney Channel. There was a Disney. Um, if it gets yeah. on the DVD, we might consider it. But other than that, no. Okay. It is on DVD, but it's not on Blu-ray, so... But the Disney put it on DVD. It doesn't say Disney on it. Yeah, it is. I have, I have my DVD upstairs. Are you Just talking about the Annie from when I'm a kid or the remake that they did? No, the remake that they did in 99 with Kristen okay. Chenoweth. Yes. Okay. So. I'll have to see if but, it's on the list. Yeah, but anyways, I will, um, I will exit out of this conversation, but it was so nice talking to you guys, right. and, and um, uh, I can't wait to listen to the rest. So bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Thanks, Tammy. All right. She's up. Yeah. So, so Tammy. Yep. Tammy brought up uh, Red, the Helen Lena Bonham Carter character, and that's the next part of the movie, uh, which is they go to a brothel that Collins had recently visited, and he had given uh, John Reed a, a card for it uh, back when they were writing. And so they go to the brothel, and Red, the the madam played by Helena Bonham Carter, who has a fake leg with a gun hidden in, in it. Which is very much like it, like reminds me of the pirates films. Just it, for no reason whatsoever, this is in here. Uh, and she tells them that Dan and and Collins fought over a silver rock. Uh, and but before they can get too far, uh, they get to they get attacked at, with the lawmen coming in, and so they have to run away. And Cavendish's men, meanwhile, have have been. Uh, tearing up the countryside disguised as Comanches. Now, we don't really know why, other than that there is a truce between the Comanches and the settlers in Texas. And so John and Tonto get to uh, Rebecca's house right after they have been abducted. Rebecca and Danny, Dan's widow and Dan's son. So Collins tries to help, but he gets shot, and 
John and Tonto have to fight the Raiders, and they end up dispatching a couple of them. Uh, but it turns out that the, the whole thing is that the Cavendish's people are acting as Comanches so as to disrupt the truce and spark a war between the Comanches and the, the United States or the, the Texas Rangers and, and all the folks there. Right. It's a little bit convoluted, and to be honest with you, this whole scene, this whole sequence, like from the brothel to the, you know, the Comanche raid on the house, felt a little. This is this is where it dragged for me. I felt well, it was the same where... plot as Home on the Range. <laughs> I felt it was a similar plot to Iron Man Three. This is where I. Oh, felt... We're trying to spark a war. You needed one of those scenes where. Okay, because he had done this... I don't know if it's a Gore Verbinski thing, because I think this is my first Gore Verbinski film. But they had done these broken scenes when the guy was passed out, the Lone Ranger was passed out. And and he would see things either from the past or the future. And they so you would see, like, other scenes in the movie. And it would have been nice... I don't know, maybe he'd been knocked out or something. Had we seen the scene with Dan making, or Dan and Collins arguing, or Dan make, Dan finding the thing and make, and or going to the future scene, and Dan finding the, the making the pact with the Comanches. Oh, yeah. That's why I felt, personally. I, I really felt I needed one of those two scenes. I'm not sure which one I needed. Yeah, there were a few el- – like like Ryan's saying, there's a few elements that are thrown into this plot that don't necessarily have any buildup to them. They're just randomly there. And I, I agree with you. The, the thing about Dan having a personal affinity, it was hinted at a little bit because they did right. say that he was spending a lot of time in, Comanche, in the Comanche lands and stuff like that. But they didn't – but it really was a throwaway when they mentioned it, so to make it an integral part of the actual plot was kind of odd. Well, I think I think they basically – because Dan's spending all this time in Comanche's territory is explained in the very next part of the film because John and Tonto go into Comanche territory, and they find the railroad tracks. So that's kind of the quote-unquote explanation for it. But I think the whole silver thing relates back again to the, the drop supernatural plot. Because the remember they talk about the, the the silver rock being cursed and that that's what turned Cavendish into a Wendigo. That's what Tonto says. Right. Well, again, remember I said that this is this this silver mine that's already tied, that was tied into Lone Ranger, you know, ages ago. You know, when they did the I I think it was the radio show where they do that part of it, or, or the no, it's actually a book where they explain the silver mine stuff initially and then it gets warped in later. Um, it, like I said, there's a, there's a San Saba mines, which is Spanish mines. It's it's those mines that you know Jim Bowie from, like Jim Jim Bowie knife, you know Alamo, that Jim Bowie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Remember he was af- if you read the legend of Jim Bowie, he's he's looking for an ancient silver mine. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's the same. It's the same mine, right? It's supposed to be cursed, and they just don't really explain the origins of the mine enough to really have a good basis for that. Right. I, I think, and well, that's. It, it's it's again it's just like it's just like you said like they're trying to pay homage to the original they're trying to set up this supernatural plot which they ended up having to drop and it just leads to some awkward storytelling in the middle of the movie. Yeah, well, like even the train thing, right? 
to go to the train thing for a minute. In the very, very beginning when he's doing the um, non-promontory summit part one thing, as I will yeah. refer to it, um, he, Cole there, he mentions um, – he mentions that as long as there's a treaty with the Comanche, they had nothing to worry about, right? Because there are two Comanches sitting there at that right. initial, in that initial scene. And, he, and then they kind of say – they go, cool, and they, and they ride away, right? There is that moment. Yep. That's right. Yeah, I mean – and that's the thing. Like I feel like they did a good job of setting up the actual plot they were trying to tell. It's just that they – vestigial tales of the plot that they originally meant to tell. Yeah, it's it's odd. I mean, it's it, I, it's not that it was terrible. It's just there's a lot of it going right. on, and it's and it's just the middle, right? Like the very beginning up until we we leave for the brothel, and in my opinion, the very end, all of that stuff works great. It's yeah. just here in the middle. There's all this. Stuff, because like here's where they go. That you know they go and uh, Cole is saying you know the rail. He dispatches the army, the cavalry, to go and attack the Comanche, and then the Comanche capture John and Tonto, and they're getting ready for war. And this is where we learn about Tonto's past. So this is the explanation for why Tonto is the way he is. You remember again, and hate to go back to the original pirates, but. Remember when we have Gibbs talking to Will Turner on the boat explaining why Jack Sparrow is the way he is? And the way that works is because Gibbs is an unreliable narrator, so you don't know if he's actually telling the truth or what's going on? Yeah. Uh, Here, this is the scene where I'm watching it in the theater, and I'm watching this very well-shot flashback, and I'm listening to what the tribe leader is actually saying, and I'm going... This is the rewrite right here. I'm watching it happen right in front of my face. <laughs> this is where they rewrote the the movie to make sense of Tonto, to make sense of the silver, to make sense of the Wendigo. Like they rewrote the entire thing in this one scene, even though they had already sh- probably shot this gorgeous flashback. Right. Well, let, let's face it. So can, we should just step aside for a sec. This whole Tonto character, right? The, the entire characterization of this character is based on this painting, right? If you read about it, they even say it in the end yep. of the movie, right? This I am Crow thing, which incidentally is a real thing, and it's done by an artist named Kirby Statler, okay, for people who didn't catch all that, okay? And he himself, this is how he describes his own painting, which incidentally, if, when, if you guys look this painting up right now, if you're online or something like that, I'll include a link in the show notes. This painting looks exactly how, how Johnny Depp looks as Tonto in the movie, with the face paint and the bird on his head, all of it. That. It's all from yep. this this painting. The artist describes it as the, disp- the display of face paint, design, crow feathers, and crow headdress in the painting is an illustrative interpretation of the inseparable relationship between a Native American and their spiritual and natural world. Okay. He purposely chose not to denote a specific tribal affiliation to my paintings, okay, and allowing the personal sensibilities and knowledge of the viewer to create their own story. Okay. So – it's it's interesting because basically the entire story of that of this Tonto is this painting. Yeah. Right. Based and they that Gore Vibinski really took that to heart and. <laughs> I got nothing else there. I don't know. How to... 
Did we lose Ryan? We might have lost Ryan. No, no. I, yeah. I lost what you guys were saying there for a second, but I'm here. I'm here. Yeah, I just, I mean, I, I mean, what do you say, right? I mean, that's that's basically the whole thing. That's that's Tonto. That's why he's the way he is, is from a pain. Yeah. Well, and and the way they explain it in the movie is that Cavendish and uh, and another person who we're not told exactly who it is, but if you're if you've been watching the movie. Ah, now we lost him. We did lose him. Ryan? He's, cut, he's cutting in and out. If you hear this, Ryan, pause. Yeah, we'll, can, we'll we'll figure out. See, he dropped. There we go. Okay. He dropped. See that? So uh, we'll hang up and remove. We'll, him we'll sidetrack for a moment then, so he can come back and pick up the plot stuff which he likes. How about that? Sure. Okay, that's good. So um, the the horse trainer in the movie is a guy named Bobby Lovegren. See, I'm like really sidetracking. How about that? <laughs> okay. He he said probably the most challenging thing in the movie. Now, you might think this is a trick, but he said it was actually in the middle of the desert to keep the white horses used for the movie completely clean. Completely white, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that was his biggest challenge during the whole thing because there were, there were four white horses used for the movie. Uh, the main horse actually legitimately was named Silver, but when Gore, Gore Verbinski picked him, he did not know that the horse's name was Silver. He just thought it was the best looking of the four white horses that were presented. Uh, the other ones were named Cloud, Casper, and Snowball. Like that, so – Sorry. Snowball. Snowball, yeah. Um, now, uh, there were also other horses used uh, throughout the movie that they were riding on. Um, you know, and you don't really get Scout until the end, and he doesn't even – and Tonto doesn't even name his horse Scout in this movie. So um, let's see. So it, like I said, it was, it was at least um, four horses in the movie but uh, that were silver. Um, the one shot – that I liked where they see the horse out on the edge. There's this video online that you can watch about it where it basically took them uh, the better part of a day to get the horse used to being on the ledge. And it's that one where, you know, they're, they're riding into the desert as the uh, posse going after Butch Cavendish and you see uh, silver or then, then it's spirit horse right out on yes. the ledge. That mm-hmm. scene, just having him out there basically took an entire day to do that shot because it, they had to get the horse used to the ledge enough to go as far out on the ledge as it actually was because that's a legitimate shot. Because that's the way Gore Verbinski rolls. Yeah, I mean, and they taught it to eat, to rear and do the high silver thing and to run through a, run through a city of uh, a city full of people like it does. It's actually a really hard thing for a horse because horses generally don't like to run at people, right? That's, that's ah, kind of sort of true. a thing, like a natural inclusion to not run at other living things. Despite that you hear about stampedes and stuff, it actually doesn't necessarily go down that way. If somebody that dies during well, no, if somebody dies during a stampede, uh, they probably got got themselves in the way because otherwise the horses probably would have gone around them. Ah, uh, true. Right, you're you're supposed to stand still. Horses generally won't step on anything that appears has an appearance of living. Um, it's just a weird horse thing. I don't know. Um, it's kind of it's kind of like a T Rex in the not moving thing. Stand things still. Don't and it can't see you. I'm not even. Nobody knows that's, if right. that's true because you know. <laughs> There's no T Rexes. Well, no. Steven Spielberg told me it was. So you know. Oh. But yeah. 
the right. whole the whole notion of the pocket watch thing and and all that was was just like 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 I said, it was it was weird, and then them being captured by the Comanche and moving on. <laughs> like I feel like from that point forward, when they escape the Comanche, the movie gets back on track. Yes, because this is where like we see why the Lone Ranger has been the way he has been, where he hasn't been you know like the the, the hero person throughout the entire movie because. They go to the silver mine and capture Cavendish in some pretty inventive uh, sequences. And Tonto is saying, you know, you've got to use the silver bullet. You've got to shoot him. And John's like, no, I'm, I'm going to take him in. I'm a lawyer. I'm a man of the law. And he, you know, John manages to knock Tonto unconscious and take Cavendish into custody with the cavalry. And this is where we get the explanation for why he chooses to be an outlaw. This man of, you know, of, of laws decides to be an outlaw because he sees that the man who's running the law, Cole, can't be taken, can't, is part of it. You know, he's in on the whole thing. And Cavendish is part of the Also, he gets the army trip. on it. He gets yeah. the guy running the army on it. It's like, it's like Civil War 101. <laughs> Right, but that's the thing. Like, this is the whole explanation for why he was the way he was, and why he wasn't the you know shoot 'em up hero and all that kind of stuff comes in this sequence. And I feel like I feel like that's a part just from the reviews that I've read and the things that I've heard people saying about the movie that people aren't getting is like this is where the Lone Ranger. Like, there's the earlier part where he gets all the stuff, the mask and the bullet, and you know, and silver and all that. But this is where he becomes the character. Right. Because like I said, he didn't have the background that the original Lone Ranger have, had of actually having been a civil war in the Civil War and all that kind of stuff. So, Right. I also think he didn't have a motive, and this gave him a motive. Yep. That, that, this, that this guy, um, you know, he brings him to, you know, he brings him to the law. And he says, here's your guy. I found him. And hold on, plus sign. Let's see, Jeremy. Hello, Jeremy. How you guys doing? Hey. Good. How are you? Good. How are you? How you doing? So here's the thing, because I brought this up in the chat room before that my audience consisted of people that actually grew up listening to the radio show and the books and watching the TV series. But we all agree on the on the same thing that this wasn't such a bad movie. I had to just, like, cut 45 minutes of it. But the one thing that I was curious about is that do you feel, and, and, I, and I've written this before, that, that, it, that it has somewhat of Batman references to it? What do you mean? Well, because with Lone Ranger and Tonto, the, their, their families were killed in front of them. They have to wear masks now. They're outlaws. They're not really... You know, they're kind of vigilantes. So, to be fair, uh, the Lone Ranger was created before Batman, and, and the inspiration actually runs the other way. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, okay. Yep. And it all goes back to Zorro. And it does, yes. That's true. Oh, okay. As most good things in life do. Oh, all right. All right, thanks, guys. No problem. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Yeah, thanks, Jeremy. Yeah. 
Yeah. So this is this is and and if you'll notice from this point forward, when John puts the mask on again, Tonto rescues him as they try to get out of the the fire between the Comanches attacking and uh, the the army shooting up the Comanches as they try to get away from that. Once they do, he puts the mask on again, and from there. He is the Lone Ranger from that point forward. Yes. By the way, I wanted to put out this, this entire scene. Uh, I was pretty sure I saw it in a movie called Broken Hour- Arrow. <laughs> I think you're right. Right? The, I mean, exactly the same thing. Trapped in the mine, escaping through the thing, going under the water, that whole thing. It was how like about, exactly the same. How about a different movie we would treat us saw? Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Hmm. Yeah, Maybe. Yeah, there's similarities for sure. Yeah, this is by no means a very original film. No, right? <laughs> I mean, it is. They already said, you know, it's like I mean, it's, and three. <laughs> yes. Yeah, true. I mean, it's like it, it's which bits and pieces of lots of other movies. Wait, what was that, Craig? I said, which means it's also a little like The Incredibles from uh, another source. Yes, minus the family. Minus the family. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's, it steals from a lot of different things. But, I mean, so does Pirates, as we've discussed in our Star Wars podcast. It's the, the entire plot of the first Pirates film is basically the plot of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, so this is when we get – then we get the final big train battle scene, which for me – it's not quite the last 45 minutes of Avengers, but it's up there. Oh, it's up there. Uh, they just, like, basically loop. Okay, so the we should probably talk about the William Tell Overture for a second, right? The famous, Amazing. Right. Well, the famous part of the William Tell Overture that is actually from the original Lone Ranger stuff that was used is the part called the March of the Swiss Soldiers. Okay. Okay. But they don't just play the March of the Swiss Soldiers. They play the entire William Tell Overture. Like it's got like seven or eight parts, and basically it's the entire like, except for that very small scene at the end. It's like there's like twenty minutes of the movie that are this that it's playing, and it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's Hans Zimmer manages to take it and sort of put a little bit more modern twist on it without changing the music itself. Right. I mean, as far as the orchestration and everything, and it works beautifully. There, there's one point where they're shooting and literally they, they made it so that the bullets were timed to the music. Yes. Okay. I mean, literally like the glass panes breaking are like the keyboard that you can literally hear keys being hit on a keyboard at the same time. Yeah. I love it. I love how so, he was so, feeding the grapes to Tonto. The kid was feeding the grapes to <laughs> Yes. The kid. I mean, like, this last sequence, and again, the only thing I can think of in recent years to compare it to is that last 45 minutes of Avengers. Now, that is a little more epic because of the orchestration, and it's the first time you see those six characters together, you know, really in, in the film as a team. Um, but this is the Lone Ranger and Tonto dueling trains, uh, you know, exploding bridges, pursuit across multiple train tracks, riding a horse on a train, uh, Tonto jumping from train to train. I mean, it 
is unbelievable action. I mean, for me, that part was worth the price of admission alone. I was just grinning the entire time. When yeah. she landed on the horse backwards was epic. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> he tells her to throw her off into the horses right there. I mean, I, I really, like, the first time I saw that, because I've seen the movie twice, it is I wasn't expecting that at all. No, no, not a bit. And he I mean, wanted I expected... to go see it three times, so I wouldn't let him. I was trying to get Cheryl to let me go see it a third time this weekend, <laughs> but I got it. Uh, I'm gonna, tr- I'm gonna try and go see it again this weekend myself. How many times but have you yeah, seen it, Ryan? Just, just the one because I've been traveling. But uh, I, I definitely am gonna go see it again in the theaters. But yeah, the basic idea being that John and Tonto steal. Uh, some nitroglycerin blow up, blow up the bridge. They then steal the train with the silver, Tonto does, and then Cole and Butch Cavendish and the army pursue him in a second train, and Rebecca and Ben Jr. are in that train. Um, John goes after the trains, big fights, Cavendish and the cavalry guy are killed. Uh, like we said, Rebecca gets th- and Dan Jr. get thrown on the horse, and Cole gets buried under the silver while the, when the train falls off the bridge. Uh, all of this after Cole has manipulated the railroad company into basically making him their their prime owner, uh, which he manages to die. So that takes care of itself. Yeah, well, all the money that he was going to use to buy it was you know, in that silver. The yeah. moral of the story is: don't invest in silver. Is that really the moral of the story? I'm not sure. I... Okay. Uh-huh. Fair enough. And then, and then the last bit of the movie is they're trying to reward John for, for his good doings and tells him to take off the mask. And he says, no, I can't uh, because, you know, there's still fights to be fought. Obviously setting up the sequel that will never happen. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And so he says no. And he and Tonto ride off, but not before they get in a dig at Hi-Yo Silver. It's, it's, yes, it's Hi-Yo Silver, you know, right? Not. Yes. Yes, that's a very important. Yeah. Sorry, I'm a stickler. I understand. <laughs> yes, they say Hi-Yo Silver. He says Hi-Yo Silver away. And, of course, uh, Tonto looks at him and says, never say that again. Which is, you know, <laughs> if you ever saw the TV show, he says it every episode. Right. Well, do you know why they said it every episode? In the, in well, it actually goes back to the radio program because radio does obviously is radio, right? And so yes, uh, because it was a radio program, they had to have a way to indicate to v- listeners that a riding sequence about was about to take place. So they they basically you know ingrained in the listeners that when they heard him go high o silver away, right? Um, they would they. It would then they'd start playing the music and there would be a riding and they'd be riding along so the listener would know that that was what was going on. Ah, very cool. Right yeah, now, they have to uh, be fun of that. As, as Bill Cosby points out, right in his in his comedy sketch, um, he he does not understand why then they carried it forward into the television show, but they did. <laughs> they did indeed. And then the last bit is we find out that Tonto could have been an unreliable narrator. As he gives the kid the silver bullet that he says, at least based on what happened in the film, that John shot uh, at Cavendish in the, in the end of the film and tells the kid to decide for himself, and then Tonto disappears. So all of this could have been completely false. True. He might not have even been Tonto. Indeed. Da, 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 da. Just, 
Just or like that chair is kid, not a chair. Or maybe the kid is the next Rome Ranger. See, this was the sequel I thought they were setting up. Okay. I, I thought they were implying the kid was the guy on the TV show. What do you mean the guy on the TV show? You mean Clayton Moore? Or something like that. What did you think he was, Cheryl? I thought they were going to imply that the kid was going to be the next Lone Ranger. Oh, yeah. There was the, gonna be see, something, thought, like, something else happening. Although, yeah. it looked... You know what? My only complaint with the World's Fair and the fairground scene, it looked too much like Oz to me. That was my only complaint. Initially. It was initially. Not when yeah. they were in the yeah. tent, but initially, yeah. No, but when you're approaching the tent. Yeah, yeah. Initially, yeah. It looked That's like I mean. Oz. I mean, I felt like... Hey, wait, am I in the right movie yet? It could have been. Maybe it was. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's weird. But yeah, I mean, I think, like we said, the, the, the main problems with the movie are that they tried to leave in a lot of this stuff that they didn't have a way to get out, the Wendigo stuff and the supernatural elements. And... The, the middle of the film just kind of blogs down in all those plot points that weren't really necessary. And, but, but I think they managed to make an entertaining film despite that. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I, I think so. I think that, you know, like part of the problem was when they shut down, I mean, basically it was so late in the game that they were shut down or for the, was it like they were shut down for like seven months. Right. Oh no no! Not even that long. They they not ended even. up having to re. They delayed the release that long because this was supposed to come out in uh, December okay. of last year. But they the delay itself was like less than a month. But they were already like on set, <laughs> like Johnny Depp and Gore Verbinski and everyone. They were they had not shot yet, but they were going to do so. So I it did was want to give late. somebody props. Um. Because if you look, stay to the very end of the film, although all you see is him walking away into the desert, you do find out that he did film this, film this film in the United States. Which, I'm very proud of Disney for at least, you know what? They kept the money in the country. And employed a lot of people who probably didn't have jobs. Yep. It's true. It's true. But yeah, I think in the end, you know, uh, the Lone Ranger from the ships and release date and the, you know, all the different things that that went on with it, um, it still turned out to be a decent film. So uh, let's let's see, let's let's rate it and we'll uh, we'll see what everybody thinks. Bree, I'm gonna let you go first. What would you what would you give it? Um, so I thought this was fantastic. I have to say that when I went in. I didn't think that I would be that impressed for some reason. I don't know why. I just, I don't know if it was bad marketing. I don't even know what it was, but I just, I wasn't that excited about it. Um, but as soon as the film started, I was hooked, and the two and a half hours just flew right by. I absolutely loved it. Perfect cast. I love the guy who played Cavendish. Um, yeah, it was excellent. I'm going to give you some four and a half. I cannot wait to see it again. Ooh, high number. Hold on, Dad. Is sure. this real Todd or fake Todd? You lost fake Todd. Okay. We lost Kimo Sabi. <laughs> lost the Kimo Sabi. 
Cheryl, what do you think? Well, after seeing this twice, I will disagree a little, a little bit. It does get a little bit slow the second time around, but I would, I would give this a five. Ooh. If it gets slow, it really is good. I really liked it. And our, although nice. we did Garrett, we did Garrett second screening for free. <laughs> um, because we had other problems with the theater. Yeah, we had, mo- we had movie theater problems, and Cheryl talked us into getting uh, free vouchers. So, Oh, nice. Yeah. Good Can't deal. What about you, Todd? Which of the two screenings, out of the two screenings, rather, which did you, what did you think? Oh, um, I really didn't find it boring sitting through it twice at all. I mean, I, I enjoyed it throughout. I mean, you know, for me, I most of the, most of the times that I do this, you know, for the podcast, if it's a new movie, I'm seeing it several times to begin with. Sometimes two, sometimes like Avengers where I saw it six times before we did the podcast. You know, I'm very, dedica- <laughs> I'm very dedicated to this. Um, but when I see it the first time, I'm watching it to watch it. When I see it the second time, I'm watching it to see what I missed. Right? So that's kind of yeah. how I go into it. And for me, I just – I enjoyed it both times. I, I didn't find it to have a dull point or anything like that. I'm not – to me, it's not a five. It's not a perfect movie. But for me, I'm going to go with a four and a half also. I mean it would be a four, but I really, really enjoy the roots of the movie, You know what it's based in, right. you know, the whole Lone Ranger mythos. So for me, I'm adding a whole extra half star just because I really thought that they played good homage to that original – you know, work and stuff like that. Yeah, no, I agree. With you. Uh, I will actually go a little bit lower than you guys, even though I really enjoyed it. I think I probably will go around a three and a half because I think the problems in the middle really bog it down. Like it got really slow for me in the middle. I may, t- I-, I reserve the right to change that when I see it again. Nope. Uh, <laughs> not allowed. Denied. But- but, but yeah, I-, I would have to go with about a three and a half because I think the plot stuff, Re, you know, you know me. I'm a plot guy. I think it really messes up the middle of the movie. Um, but the first, the first part, the first act and the last act are fantastic. And I think if they had had a good editor and cleaned up the middle, it would have been probably my favorite movie this year. Um, as it stands, it's probably second behind Iron Man three. But uh, really fantastic flick, uh, a fun one. I think. I think the main thing is like if you're going into it expecting you know something on the level of the first pirates film or you know like avengers or something like that you're going to be disappointed but if you go in and say give me my popcorn and my soda and let me have a good time you will come out thrilled agree all right so i want to thank everybody who has been uh, chatting with us in the chat room and those of you who've been listening and uh, as we've been going along talking about Malone Ranger, we appreciate you guys listening. And all of you who are listening at home now in your cars or as you're working out or you know, whatever you're doing, we appreciate also, you. I, we, to, I also want to thank the Kimo Sabi for joining us, although he left us. Yep, absolutely. Thank you to the, the, uh, the Perlmutter for joining us. For the per- Perlmutter trifecta we had going. Is that Perlo Sabi? <laughs> well, when when he sees this movie, we'll relay what his rating what his rating is. That's gonna be interesting. There you go. Know what his what his rating is gonna be? Oh. <laughs> Hold on. Let uh, me look. Wait. Before we go too far, let me go yeah. two seconds and and I know we're live. 
Um, We're live. Two seconds into the podcast calendar. Let's remind everyone that the Christmas show um, polls are going to be ending soon. Yes. I'm going to stress that soon. Very soon. Do I have to vote? Do I get to vote? Nope. No, you don't get Listener choice. Darn it. Has to be a movie, has to be about Christmas. Or it can be Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. I'll accept Kwanzaa, Kwanzaa. Um, a holiday film. It, holiday please, films, don't, yes. please don't tell me when Magic Christmas is winning. I no. know, right now, right now, right now, all we have is nominations. Oh, then okay. For nominations go voting. Oh, if, one magic, okay. if one Magic Christmas comes comes out on top, uh, just be prepared for people. Um, I've seen it I before. guess our next I'm... live show will be. We're not doing that. We'll be Thor <laughs> the Dark World. Woohoo! All right, cool. Unless Thor! Of, unless I, unless something point. miraculously comes on the calendar before then. Oh, yep. sorry. So, oh, no problem. Just uh, like Cheryl said, we got the polls going on on Facebook. So uh, go check there. Um, and nominate your Christmas movies on Facebook. Find us there. We're Disney Film Project. You can also go and find us on Twitter at Dis Film Project. Or uh, make sure you go to the website, DisneyFilmProject.com. So uh, until next week, folks, we appreciate you joining us, and thanks for listening. Something's very wrong with that horse. Justice is what I seek, Kimosabe. Why are you talking to a horse? Why am I covered in dirt? It was a ranger riding a white horse. Got some lunatic Indian with him. They're coming for you. Thank you, Barry the Black Horse. Talking about Lone Ranger, and Mark just said we should do the whole show in a Western accent. How would you partner? <laughs> that would be interesting, partner. See, I can't do that. Nah, that wouldn't work, Mark. It was a good idea, but it just won't work. Well, partner, I think we need to ramble around and find our co-host. We are waiting for our co-host. This, this here is the wildest ride in the wilderness. Welcome again, everybody, to the Disney Film Project podcast, the show where we talk about the films of the Walt Disney Company, all its assorted subsidiaries, and various companies that it has bought over the last few years, which includes, let's face it, quite a few. I'm Ryan Kilpatrick, host of the program, and along with the folks I'm about to introduce you to, we run DisneyFilmProject.com, which is your home for all of the things that I mentioned before, to coverage of the films and all kinds of great information about the old shorts, about former films uh, from the Walt Disney Company and all their assorted subsidiaries. So make sure you go check out all the great content over at DisneyFilmProject.com. Joining me as always, we have the fine film experts who you have come to know and love over the last couple of years, who I know and love just because they're awesome people. Uh, first of all, we have Mr. Todd Perlmutter, who is Chief Technical Officer at DisneyDrivenLife.com. He is also available to work at On The Go in MCO.com. And I believe that time-traveling Todd can explain some of the anachronisms in the film we are talking through this evening. Is that true? Or silent, or silent Todd could possibly explain those things. Hold on. I think he's time-traveled on us again. I, I think he's so. actually gone to the past, and he's not, not there. That's what I'm thinking. 
I should mention that we are doing this show live. That's right, live. Um, so if you keep up with us on Facebook or Twitter, um, you can find us at Disney Film Project on Facebook or at Disney Film Project on Twitter. Uh, we talk about the fact that we do this show live from time to time when we have the new film releases, such as The Lone Ranger, tonight's film. Did we did we find Todd? Did he come back from the past? Hold on. Not appear as such. Okay. The the coordinates the uh, controls in the time machine are a little slippery. Is that correct, Cheryl? So I hope everybody is doing well out there as we uh, attempt to talk about The Lone Ranger, a film that had a underwhelming debut, to say the least. Wouldn't you say, Bree? Yeah, which I don't understand, honestly, but we'll get into that. But yeah, I, didn't, I, I don't understand why I didn't, um, why the critics didn't like it. Yeah, it's, it's not going to make back its budget. That's, that's one thing we can say. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but Johnny Depp is Tonto and Army Hammer is the Lone Ranger. Uh, should be should be an interesting combination. I should introduce Brianna Alessio, our distinguished film expert, who you can find at uh, uh, Adventures of Bree at adventuresofbree.blogspot.com. How are how are you this evening, Bree? As we I'm, wait for the time traveling Todd. Yeah, I'm doing fantastic. We actually just had a storm pass over. It is super ridiculously hot in New York. It reached a high today, like. I think it was 100, 105. As I well know, because I just returned from New Jersey, where it was 99 degrees. And I am now in Georgia, where it is 94 degrees, and this makes no sense to me. How? I don't know how. Pop, there's two of you. It happens. What? I I have two Todd's on my screen. I don't like it. You have a Kimosabi joining us instead. So this practical joke was made wrong by Cheryl. Yes, I tried to pull a joke on you guys. Sorry, guys. I'm very confused. So, I, don't, I don't understand either. What's going on? Would the Kimosabi introduce himself, please? Uh, well, it's not your wrong brother, Todd. It's your right brother. What's happening? Who is this? <laughs> Hi, Craig. How are you? How's it going? Good. Wait, wait, wait. I what? That time I got on a got a got into your podcast a little bit. Oh, okay. Are you doing the whole show with us? I I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I am. Well, how long is it? <laughs> I know. I'm I'm confused. How come Craig and I are on the same thing? Wait, can someone do introductions? Because I'm completely lost. <laughs> <laughs> I get what you were doing now, Cheryl. We just dropped Ryan, by the way. I go. Uh-oh. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, Cheryl. I don't. I didn't really understand the cue, the I guess, because I thought I was sort of waiting for Todd, but then I read the thing about how you were saying that you were going to pretend he was muted. Yes. But that was from a few days ago, so then I kept waiting <laughs> in WhatsApp for you to sort of give me, like, come on stage now. <laughs> Wait a second. Are you are you Todd's real brother? This is, I'm Todd's this is real brother. yes. Uh, oh, is, is everybody listening now? Yeah. <laughs> like everybody in chat can hear us. Are you sure about that? Yep. Because I nice. don't see chat. It's nice to meet you, Craig. Nice to meet you too. I don't see the chat. Are people? I'm confused. I think I have to redo the chat. Hang on a second. <laughs> no, I think people. Can hear. No, no, I I can't I can't see the chat though. So hang on a second. I'm so confused at this point. Jelly's apologize. These are the hazards of live TV. 
Shelly, it's okay. It's fine, Shelly. My horrible practical joke failed. <laughs> yeah, but it's still weirdly kind of funny, Cheryl. It's just not funny in the way that I think that you intend. So maybe the the mess up is, is funnier, I think. It's funny to me because I was, like, superbly confused. <laughs> yeah, you see? And confusion is funny. That's right. Yeah. What? I'm, I'm so lost. All right. So, what <laughs> happened is I tried to pull a practical joke on you guys. And okay. I gave you the kimosabi. But what she really should have read me in on. I wasn't... I, I don't even, I don't even know what that too. means. I don't even know what the kimosabi means. The wrong brother. It's, it's because ah. Johnny Depp makes a joke in the movie at some point. That I get. Okay, all right. Kimosabi means wrong brother. Yes, okay. supposed to say, well, actually, I'm not the wrong brother. I'm the right brother. And that was the joke. But then I kept waiting in WhatsApp to get something like, go, say it now, Craig, say now. So, sorry. Right. I'm not seeing the I chat at all. Of the convers- I missed part sure? of the conversation, and I don't know who I'm talking to. <laughs> right, I'll, I'll okay. So, Craig. sorry. Yes, I'll, I'll introduce um, where you. where are we in the podcast, by the way? Is this all like the podcast now? Or are we going to start over or what? I'm, I'm thinking we start over. Yeah. Okay, that's good. That's good. <laughs> I'm really confused at this point. Um, I am not seeing the chat and I can't figure out why. So okay. people are just going to have to tell me if anyone says anything to me because all I see... I People are saying hello to Craig. Jeremy says hello to Craig. Is Craig logged in on my Ustream account? No. Craig has no access to your Ustream account. All right, Craig's I using think... Jasper's. Craig's using Jasper's a different ID. I mean, or Jasper's email. That, that's that's what a, account. Yeah, I guess that was the idea, right? Right? Right, Cheryl? But then, but then, but then. Oh, was... I'm really confused because I see myself chatting, and I'm like, why do I see yeah. my my face with a voice in Skype? Because <laughs> that way you email... look exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, but I, I I feel like that was going to give it away more than if you called my my actual phone number, then may, maybe at least for a couple of seconds, somebody would have just thought, it's just a call from New York. Okay, we're getting a call from somebody from New York. Rather than Todd getting on and saying, why is there, who is my doppelganger? <laughs> I'm really confused at this point, but hang on a second. I'm trying to figure out why my chat isn't good. I'm sorry. So, so I, I, I'm trying to figure out who else is with us, because okay. I know it's a person named Craig. That's all I know. Yeah. So uh, for the audience, some people, I guess, in, I, well, maybe one only one person in the audience knows uh, this person. This is my brother Craig, by the way, that's on the call right ah, now. Ah, that's what I needed to know. Got yeah. it. Hi. Well, hello, Craig. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Have you actually seen the movie, Craig, or is this going to be really awkward? Uh, I, I haven't I haven't seen the movie, um, so uh, I'll I'll probably uh, be lost. But I, I guess I won't. Uh, you can just hear us. So, you, Craig, have you ever actually listened to the podcast before? This is an important question. Weirdly enough, I have not. But I I, I guess I have an idea of what of what you do because I've read a I've read some of your online reviews. Okay, so, so uh, I, I get the gist of, of I get what the mission of it is. I haven't met Craig. No, I've met not. Craig. <laughs> I, I would hope so. Wait, do we know each other, Todd? Yeah, I think so. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like talking with yourself is freaky. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys see two of me, and yes, I see one of I, you. Yes, because I, I got me the picture exactly from the from your Twitter picture. 
Yeah, you did. You did good. Okay, fine. But next time read me in because it's so confusing. <laughs> we did so, get the wrong brother, so that's okay. <laughs> well, don't worry. I'll we'll, we'll put this in. And I'll, put, well, I'll do this. Cheryl when, will figure out what to do with this. Don't when worry. the intro comes in, I'll put this stuff at the end as bloopers. Cheryl the prankster <laughs> is her new name. All right. Can we start now? I love you, Cheryl. Thank you, Mary the Blackbird.